24. Matthew chapter 24. Amen. Um, Matthew the 24th chapter and we'll begin at verse number 4. Matthew 24 and 4. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I'm excited about the things that we uh, are talking about here the last few weeks and we're going to build on some of that again this morning. All right. Let me just by way of a quick review. Um, a few things that we've talked about already is we've said that the body of Christ is being tested. The body of Christ is being tested. We spent the better part of a whole sermon establishing from the Word of God that, that, that Father God is not the one testing us. But nonetheless, the body of Christ is being tested. We said that tests reveal strengths and weaknesses. Tests reveal strengths and weaknesses. And sometimes test results can be hard to face. In other words, the the test that we're experiencing as the body of Christ is revealing some areas of weakness in the body of Christ. Um, The test is exposing some things that, um, amen, Father God's not trying to shame us or, or, or offend us or hurt us. But again, the test is revealing some weaknesses that if we're going to, say what it is he's trying to do through these tests, again, they're not coming from him, is he's trying to prepare us. Now, I could, and maybe in the coming days we will, I I could preach a series of sermons just on what Jesus taught us about being prepared. Being prepared, being ready uh, was one of the central things that Jesus taught about. And, And not just what we needed to do to be ready, but he even told us things that we needed to be ready for. In, in, in other words, he said that these are the things that will happen. They're going to happen because they must happen. But here is how you need to handle these things. Here is, here is, here, here's what you need to do uh, to be successful and, strive, and thrive, rather, uh, in, in, instead of struggling, uh, you know, through... Uh, these different situations. So, Matthew chapter 24 tells us more about the source of the test that we are experiencing. And it's it's very easy to say, well, the test is coming from God or the test is coming from the devil, the enemy. Um, And again, we've already established that let no man say when he's being tested, tempted, or tried, he's being tested, tempted, or tried by God. So if we eliminate God, then it's easier for us just to say, well, it's coming from the devil. And I'm not necessarily saying that's incorrect. But again, I believe that what we're seeing more than anything else that's bringing this test is something that Jesus said must happen, something that would happen. And again, this is what Matthew 24 gives us a lot of insight into. So let's, uh, let's get right into it. I'm, I'm probably going to do more, more teaching than preaching this morning. And I wanted to kind of rush through this part so that we could move on to some other things, but really it's too important for us to rush through. So we're going to take a few minutes this morning to really break down what it is that Jesus told us to be expecting, what it is he told us to look for, and what it is he told us that we needed to be prepared for. All right? So let's begin verse number four. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. 
And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not troubled. For all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. All right, I emphasized this last Sunday. I'm going to emphasize it again this morning. We can't get so focused on, on the signs of the times. We can't get so fo- I've heard, I can't tell you how many sermons I've heard over my lifetime uh, from this passage. Uh, but none that I can recall uh, emphasize the instructions J- Jesus gave us. Uh, it's very easy, and I understand it's a slippery slope. It's very easy just to dive right in to the wars, the rumors of wars, the pestilences, all these different signs that Jesus told us to expect and to look for and overlook the instructions that he gave us. And the instructions that he gave us is do not be deceived and do not let your heart be troubled. Do not be fooled. Okay. Don't be deceived and do not panic. Do not be consumed by fear. See that you are not troubled for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. Now, if Jesus said something must happen, something must take place, it doesn't matter how much you don't want it to take place. It doesn't matter uh, how much you say it's not going to take place. My friend, if Jesus said it's going to happen, you can take it to the bank. It's going to happen. And so here he's saying that and because, again, these are, these are not positive, necessarily positive things that are going to be happening in the earth in, in which we live. And, and so, you know, don't you love it that Jesus gives it to us straight? Amen? That, like, for instance, he, he said, and I think it's John the 16th chapter, he said, um, in this world you're going to have some trouble. All right? But be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. In other words, he's saying you're going to, you're going to face some things. You're going to deal with some things, but don't be depressed about that. Don't be downcast about that, but be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome. Remember, because he overcame, we can overcome. Amen. So he's telling us about these things, not to scare us. He's telling us about these things and says, when they happen, don't let, don't be afraid. Don't let your heart be troubled. So if we shouldn't be afraid, when they actually take place, then we certainly shouldn't be afraid uh, to talk about it uh, and, and look at the things that Jesus told us, again, must come to pass. Now, I want to I spend some time, but I, I can't do both this morning. I want to spend some time on that must come to pass. And, and I believe the Bible in other places, specifically in the book of Romans, it reveals to us why these things must come to pass. In other words, Jesus is telling us it must come to pass. But remember, he no longer calls us servants. He calls us friends. And the difference between a servant and a friend is that a friend is, on the, is given inside information. And so as friends of the Lord, he's given us inside information as to why all these things must come to pass. Right? Um, so again, amen. Let me just keep going here. But the end is not yet. Verse 7, for nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom, and there will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. Now, verse number 8 is a key verse. I I tell you often that in, in, in studying the Word of God, many times there will be key words, you know, like one word. If you understand the meaning of that word, it'll unlock the verse. And then if you understand the meaning of that verse, it'll unlock a, maybe a section or even a chapter. And then there are chapters that'll help you better understand, um, you know, an entire book of the Bible. And verse number eight is key in, 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 in what the Lord is showing me about all this. It's key in understanding 
basically everything that he is saying in the sense of under, understanding in the sense of us being able to relate to it. And, and so when he says all these are the beginning of sorrows, he's literally saying that these are the beginning of birth pangs. This is the beginning of labor. So the wars, the rumors of wars, the earthquakes, the famines, the pestilence, all of these things, he's comparing them to a woman giving birth. And, and so we know that once, once a woman goes into labor, right, um, that labor is going to continue until that child is born. And the birth pangs, um, the contractions, if you will, um, they intensify, right, in, in, in both severity and in frequency. In, in other words, they start coming closer together and, and they uh, are, are, are more severe uh, until the baby is born. So this is the answer to the question. There's always been wars. There's always been earthquakes. There's always been these things. So how is this really helping us know when the end of the age is? Well, Jesus said these things are like contractions. These, these things are like birth pangs. So you're going to see all of these things happening throughout the course of human history. But you will know that the end is coming when they start happening with greater frequency and greater intensity. Greater frequency and greater intensity. And so, again, there's always been plagues. There's always been famines, you know, economic, financial downturns, wars, things of this nature. But what we're seeing uh, more and more is, again, the intensity of, of these things and the frequency of them. All right. So that's, again, very, very important, very, very important for us uh, to know what time it is, so to speak. All right. Let's go on to verse nine. Then they will deliver you up to tribulation and kill you and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. And then many will be offended, will betray one another and will hate one another. All right. Now, as is the case with so much of the word of God, you know, one phrase or one verse can have many different applications and depth of meaning. Um, Paul referred to it as the multi-layered or manifold wisdom of God. And the classic way of illustrating that is with the concept of an onion, the layers of the onion, and you peel back you know, layer after layer after layer. The Word of God has depth of meaning like that. In other words, th- there are many different layers of, of wisdom and truth and understanding uh, to be, you know, mined out, pulled out of a particular passage. So when he's talking about delivering you up to tribulation and killing you, you'll be hated by all nations for my namesake. Again, he's, he's talking about this world system and its hatred for the people of God. Now, thankfully, we have been very insulated from all of this for many, many years here in the United States of America. But my brother, my sister, we, we are deceiving ourselves if we, if we think that this is not coming to pass uh, all over the world. Uh, brother Jerry and Sister Marilyn O'Dell have, have talked to us on numerous occasions about the persecution Christians endure in, in the nation of Pakistan. And, and whole villages, uh, homes and churches and all that, that uh, enemies of God will go in and, and burn uh, and and. You know, I've, I've heard them on different occasions talk about they'll tear a page out of the, of the Quran, wad it up and throw it down and then say, look, these people have defaced 
uh, Allah's word and, and just incite a whole riot against a community of Christians. So, um, again, Jesus is, is telling us these things so that, that we will not be shocked by them when they happen and that we will be prepared for them, all right? But if we're going to use this as a template to better understand what we're experiencing right now in our world, I think verse number 10, and man, this really jumped out at me this morning. Um, it says, and then many will be offended. I don't, I don't think I've ever been alive on planet earth where people are more easily offended. All in the name of political correctness. Where people are so touchy about every little thing. And, 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 it's, and it's almost like people have become afraid to speak up for fear of who they will offend. Think about this now, right? Where we're afraid to, to, to say what we believe. We're afraid to say, you know, what uh, political candidate. Uh, for me, listen to me please. It's not so much about the candidate as it is what the candidate stands for, right? Some of the key things I look for in a candidate, right, is I'm looking for a candidate that supports Israel. I'm looking for a candidate that's pro-life. I'm looking for a candidate that's pro-family. I'm looking for a candidate whose beliefs and platforms, or for that matter, a whole political party, whose beliefs and platforms, they're not going to be right out of the Bible, but I'm looking for the one that most identifies with what the Word of God says. That, that's If you're wanting to know how to vote in any political race, right, then, you know, find out what the candidate believes. Find out what they stand for. If, they, if they're a long-term politician, don't listen to what they're saying. Look at what they've done, right? Because they'll tell us anything and do anything to get elected. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get into this more in the days ahead. But the bottom line, though, of all of this is we're in this world, but we're not of it. Um, we may be citizens of the United States of America, but our true and eternal citizenship is the kingdom of heaven. And we are ambassadors to this nation from our homeland, which is the kingdom of heaven. And, and, and we are of a different race of people. We, we are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. Amen. It's what, it's what the Bible teaches us. Praise God. So, but again, you know, there's such a climate where people are so easily offended that, you know, the people of God many times just don't say anything um, because of that offense. And so Jesus again says, this is one of the ways you will know that the end is drawing near. Many will be offended. People will betray one another. And will hate one another. Man, we are seeing such hatred in our world today. And we're seeing such betrayal in our world today. And a lot of times we think about betrayal. I'm talking about, you know, offense on, on, on a personal level, uh, all the way up to offense on a, on an international level. You say, well, which one is it? It's all of it. When he says that, that many will be offended, he's talking about individual people all the way, you know, all the way across the board to the other end of the spectrum. And, and the same is true with betrayal. You know, you can have the betrayal of a spouse, right? All the way up to a political betrayal on a national level to uh, an, an international allies betraying one another. 
Jesus said, again, these things must happen. They will happen. There will be hatred. There will be offense. There will be betrayal. He says in verse 11, that many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Again, I could show you video, headline, news real footage after news real footage. I'm not going to do that today. Of, of lawlessness that's taking place in our nation right now on, on a massive scale. On a massive scale. I'm not, again, trying to rail about that. I'm just telling you, Jesus said, these are signs of the time. Lawlessness will, will abound. The love of many will grow cold. But he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all nations. And then the end will come. Now, I want to, in the time that we have remaining this morning, I want to peel a few layers of this onion back um, and help you see some things maybe that you didn't notice or understand at first glance. Reminding you one more time, Jesus said, take heed that no one deceives you. See that you are not troubled. Okay, let's uh, let's take apart verse number seven, because verse number seven may be the most popular verse in all of it. Am I, are y'all OK this morning? Is it, I'm not boring you, am I? Amen. I, you know, this is different type of preaching for me. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm to be honest with you, I'm a little more comfortable uh, preaching in, in, you know, in other uh, veins of truth and, and things of this nature. But I really feel like that, you know. We need, as the body of Christ, we need a lot of things as the body of Christ, but we need, if anybody needs to know what's going on in the world around us and, and, and knows how to make sense of it, it should be the body of Christ. Amen. Jesus even said the Holy Spirit would show us things to come, right? That, that He would show us things that were going to happen before they happened, again, in the interest of being prepared so that, so that we would be ready. Uh, for, for all of these things. All right. So I'm, I'm trying to, uh, deliver to you, uh, a timely word this morning. I, I'm trying to, because it, it's, it's like what the scriptures say, uh, when someone uh, passes from this life to the next, and we have all the answers and explanation about that in the scriptures. And the Bible says two things that I mentioned just about every funeral that I've ever preached. I mentioned these two things. And, and, and that is that we grieve, but not as those who have no hope, because we know things that other people don't know. We have a hope and an understanding that other people don't have. And so we deal with it differently because of what we know that other people do not know, right? And then he says at the end of that uh, explanation in the scriptures, he says, therefore, in light of these things, comfort one another with these words. Comfort one another with these words. So we should find understanding here. We should find, uh, you know, enlightenment and vision for the future here, understanding for what's going on around us here. But we should also find comfort here. Amen. None of what's going on in our world today uh, is taking God by surprise. The lawlessness and, and, and being easily offended and, and, and nation rising against nation. Father, I'm, I'm not saying he's pleased with it. I'm not saying he's happy about it, but he is not shocked by it. And Jesus told us that these things were going to happen. And as the end drew near, they would become more intense and more frequent. Okay. All right. 
So verse 7, it says, For nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines, pestilences, and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All of these things are the beginning of birth pains. They are the early pains. The Amplified Bible says it this way. They are the early pains, P-A-I-N-S, of the birth pangs, P-A-N-G-S. All right? Now, nation will rise against nation. Nation will rise against nation. To be honest with you, every time I've heard that phrase, I've thought of things like, you know, in World War II where Germany rose up against Poland and then rose up against France. You know, we, we, we have this tendency to think of it on, on that level, on that scale, all right? But if you look at this word nation, it provides, I think, some better insight uh, that we need and perhaps will... Uh, again, help you understand what's going on in our world right now. Nation will rise against nation. The Greek word for nation is the word ethnos, E-T-H-N-O-S. Anybody want to guess what English word we get from that Greek word? <laughs> Ethnic or ethnicity, all right? So the Greek word here is ethnos. We get our English word ethnic or ethnicity from it. And so what does ethnos mean? Well, it means nation, but... The, the, the literal meaning of this word, ethnos, ethnicity, is speaking of race. It's speaking of race. It also, ethnos or ethnicity, is speaking of the biological and cultural distinctions that define a group of people. The biological and cultural distinctions that define a group of people. He's literally saying not just that nation will rise against nation. He's saying that one race of people will rise up against another race of people. (laughs) That kind of brings it a little closer to home, does it not? Not just nation against nation. He's saying that race, one race will rise up against another race. All right, so let's go back to it. The biological and cultural distinctions that define a group of people. Okay, so um, to understand a little bit about, you know, my biological birth and existence, okay, Um, my uh, grandfather, like six times removed, uh, on my dad's side, he came here uh, as an orphan who had gotten in trouble with the law. Some of you have heard me tell that story before (laughs) in in England. Um, It was a, a, a... a plantation there, or I don't think they call them plantations, but a farm there that they literally raised deer. And uh, he's a homeless orphan, starving. He stole a deer, killed it, and ate it. The, the plantation owner decided to make an example of him, had him punished to the full extent of the law. And as a child, he was sentenced to hang. He was sentenced to be executed. And there was a man who uh, was familiar with the situation he intervened, I think it was King George. He went before King George and on behalf of my great-grandfather, six times removed. And, um, and he was uh, offered the opportunity, instead of being executed, he was put on a boat and sent to the New World. Right? Um, from there, uh, a lot of my family, like a lot of folks in this country, um, they uh, uh, intermingled with Native Americans. And so uh, it's not just because I've been in the sun uh, this summer, my my skin's a little darker uh, than uh, than than the average uh, 
uh, Caucasian. Are you with me this morning? Praise God. All right. So the bottom line of it is we are all very biologically diverse people. Uh, when we refer to this nation as a melting pot, um, it, it truly is um, a melting pot. But when we talk about the, the, the biological um, distinctions that define a group of people, amen, obviously uh, Asians have different uh, skin tones and facial features uh, than uh, other people groups and, and you know, African Americans, different skin tones, you know, things of this nature, right? So you have all these different uh, biological distinctions, but remember, ethnos, rising against ethnos, is, is uh, not just the biological distinctions, but it's also the cultural, biological and cultural, okay? Biological and cultural. So you say, what, what do we mean by cultural? Cultural has to do with, with the, the culture, the way somebody was raised. And, and it, so like we may say things like, you know, we have a different culture down here in the south than, uh, than they do up north, Okay. Um, uh, Gail Gilbo, her daughter Katie, do God trust? You come to our church. They're all from Louisiana. They have a different culture. Come on now, <laughs> they have a different culture down there, right? Uh, the food's different. All, 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 you know the, the way they talk, the the euphemisms that they use, things of this nature. Okay, so he's saying that people who are a part of a group that's biologically similar and culturally similar. He's saying that they're going to rise up against one another. They're going to rise up against one another. And I don't have to tell you that we're seeing this um, in our world today. And, and, and I know, listen to me, I don't... Praise God. <clears throat> I'm not saying that we shouldn't try. We absolutely should try. Amen to do something about that. So if you, if you think I'm saying we shouldn't do anything about it, my brother, my sister, uh, you're not listening to me. We absolutely should try to do something about that, okay? But listen to me, please. Listen to me, please. Government cannot solve that. Government cannot solve it. Legislation cannot solve it. There's not enough concessions in the world to solve it. There's not enough money in the world to solve it. You know, back what just this summer, decided to try an experiment, Right? We'll just let them, we'll just let uh, a, a group of people that, you know, that all had common beliefs, you know, we let them have six square blocks of Seattle and see what happens, right? Uh, obviously, it didn't work. Amen? Uh, there were many people, and I know, I know this sounds so bizarre to you, but when that was going on in Seattle, there were many different people in many different large cities around the nation that were paying very close attention to that. Because if that had worked in Seattle, they were ready uh, to uh, activate uh, the same type of situation in their cities, okay? But again, it, strict law and order won't fix it. I'm a law and order kind of guy. Listen to me now. Are you hearing me? When he says lawlessness, this doesn't mean that they're actually going to defund the police, okay? But you can't legislate what's in somebody's heart, you can, you can make anything illegal, but that doesn't mean it's going to stop people from doing it. Are you hearing me? Because the problem is inward, it's not outward. My God, I hope you're listening to me this morning. Right. So again, lawlessness, he says, it's, it's going to happen. It's coming. It's going to increase. It's not, it's not necessarily a government failure because the government can't do what only God can do in a man or a woman's heart. Now, when we say nation will rise against nation, race will rise against race. 
What we all, and this is, I set out however many weeks ago to preach this sermon right here, and we're going to preach it. I'm just, amen, the Lord's wanting to lay some groundwork first, all right? But the reality of it is this, my brother and my sister, we've all been born from the same womb. As, as, as children of God, we've all been born from the same seed. We are a royal priesthood. We are a holy nation. We are a righteous race of people, a new creation race of people, none like has ever ever existed on planet earth ever before in the history of mankind. We need to understand our ethnicity. We need to understand our new birth and we need to understand the culture of the kingdom that we represent and come from. I am, I am thankful for my Southern heritage. I'm thankful for sweet tea and I'm thankful for yes, sir. And no, sir. And yes, ma'am. And no, ma'am. And I'm still going to hold the door for you if, if you look older than me or if you're a woman. All right. I'm thankful for all of that. Please don't misunderstand me. Okay. But I cannot allow the heritage that I have, the culture that I was raised in, in this world to supersede and dominate the heritage and culture that I have as a son of the most high God and as a citizen of his kingdom and ambassador for his kingdom, representing him and his interest and his business in the earth. And one of the things that all of this that's gone down in our in our world since really the first of the year really became evident in March. One of the things that's being exposed about the body of Christ is that far too many in the body of Christ identify more with their biological and cultural ethnicity of this world, right, than their spiritual and cultural, the ethnicity that we have as sons and daughters of God. Amen. It's exposed. That's a problem, my friend. See, let's, let's real quick, like, real quick, two things, two things, two things. Okay. The disciples asked Jesus a question, and what we're looking at this morning is the answer. They said, when, when will we know the end of this age is drawing near? The end of this age. Things have not always been as they are right now on planet earth. And they will not always be as they are right now. We are in a very unique bracket of time. We see the scriptures reveal large time frames. Amen. That God has established. When when he says... By faith we understand the worlds were framed by the word of God. That word worlds there is literally the eons. Eons are framed by the word of God. And what we understand is that we are living now in an age upon this planet, right, that will not always be. The Bible says there's coming a new heaven and a new earth. In other words, what we know about about planet earth right now, it it will not always be like this. There's coming a time when the age that we're currently living in will end and it will usher in or mark the beginning of of a new age, the age that God has already spoken of, prophesied about in His Word that that is to come. Listen to me, I know I'm probably giving you a lot of stuff this morning, but, but it's time for the body of Christ 
to understand these things and wake up. We are absolutely going to heaven. But my brother, sister, we're not staying in heaven. We're going to heaven. And then after a period of time, we are coming back to this earth with our big brother, Jesus. And our big brother, Jesus, is going to rule over a new heaven and a new earth. And we will rule and reign over this earth together with him. Amen. It's the new age. It's the coming age. And again, the disciples understood this based upon Old Testament prophecies. They didn't even have the New Testament ones yet. And so they're asking Jesus, they're like, look, we know this new age, this new day is coming. How will we know when it's about to change from what we're in right now to what's coming next? And so this is the answer. He says, these are signs of, of the end of this age. This is when there's, there's about to be a turning of the page, so to speak. There's about to be a, a changing of, of, of the guard so to speak. Amen. Nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. So Jesus said these things must be. One of the reasons that they must be is because this earth was not meant to be subjected to the futility of sin that mankind is subjecting it to. And it's starting to come apart at the seams. Got a whole sermon on that coming up, okay? But... You know, all this talk of UFOs, I personally believe all the talk of UFOs is to explain one day. It's the devil trying to, because he knows the rapture of the church is coming. He knows the day is coming when the trumpet of God is going to sound and the dead in Christ graves are going to burst open. And then after the graves burst open and the dead in Christ go to join their spirits in the air, then every born again believer that's alive and remains on planet earth will be gone in the twinkling of an eye. I mean, you'll be standing there on the assembly line working with, with, uh, with somebody and that's not born again. And they'll look and wonder where you went. They'll think you went to the bathroom. But three weeks later, when you haven't come back to the bathroom, they've got to explain where you and several million other people have gone. UFOs must have got them. UFO, no, no, see. The other one is global warming. Now, I may not have the right bunch as warm as it is in this room this morning to talk about global warming. But again, listen to me, please. Please listen to me. The, the political line is never let a good crisis go to waste. Now, I, I'm not going to share my personal opinions about global warming because some of you in here would, would agree with them. Some of you would not. I'm not trying to be divisive or bombastic or offensive. But just hear me, please. Hear me. This planet's going to burn. You talk about global warming. (laughs) This planet's going to melt one day. Right? But there's nothing any government can do to stop it. I'm going to have me one. I'm just prophesying. I'm going to drive me a Tesla one of these days. I'm not just going to drive one. I'm going to own one. Okay? All right. But listen, every person on planet Earth could, could start driving a Tesla. It ain't going to stop what Jesus says is going to happen in Matthew 24. It's not, not going to stop it. The most ridiculous one is, is that it's, it's, uh, it's methane, right, that's causing all these problems. And it's all these cows. See, y'all are laughing. Y'all already know, right? But it's, it's, the, it's the futile. The, the Romans uses the word, it's futility. It's futility. So he said, race will rise against race. And kingdom will rise against kingdom. Thank you, Holy Spirit. All right, I've got to finish right here. But I said two things. I just shared one with you. 
One of my favorite passages out of uh, the whole saga of the nation of Israel and God delivering them from slavery in Egypt is that one of the judgments that came from God against Egypt was darkness. Darkness. The Bible says the whole land of Egypt was covered in darkness like a blanket, but the lights were on in Goshen. The lights were on in Goshen. What does that mean? Goshen is where God's people lived. Goshen is where the Israelites lived. In other words, all around them was darkness, but they were, pardon the pun, they were shining brightly. Let me, let me throw another one out and then I'll finish. God told His people, you work six days and rest on the seventh. Now, in their day and age, that was unheard of. Pastor Sam Chelladurai preached a sermon on this, probably one of the finest sermons I've ever heard on this subject. But in those days, that, that was unheard of. You got up early and worked as hard as you could till dark and, you know, before the sun came up and after it went down, seven days a week just to survive. Yet God tells His people... On the seventh day, I want you to rest. What is he doing? He's setting them apart from other nations. He's creating a living, breathing example of a God who loves his people and knows how to take care of them. He's saying all these people who do not have a covenant with me, they're having to work seven days a week just to survive. But I'm taking care of you. You work six and rest on seven and you're going to be fine. I'm going to take care of you, right? You fast forward to what Jesus is talking about here in Matthew, the 24th chapter. As the world around us grows darker and more chaotic, Father God wants His people to shine. It's time for the church to be the church. It's time for the body of Christ to rise up. It's, it's time for the difference in, in who we are and in what we believe, right? My friend, the world needs an example of unity right now. And they should be able to look to the church and see it. The world ought to be able to look to the church and see people from all kinds of different ethnicities, biological ethnicities, Living together, loving together, working together. You follow what I'm saying? With, with great joy and, and peace and love. I'm telling you, this is, this is part of what we need to understand as all of these things are unfolding in the world around us. Amen? All right, stand with me this morning. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, I didn't get there. We'll, we'll pick it up next Sunday morning. But when he says kingdom against kingdom, don't make the same mistake that you made with nation against nation. He's not just talking about, 
you know, a sovereign nation rising up against another sovereign nation. He's not talking about Iraq rising up against Kuwait. And that's, that's included. But on a more local level, he's talking about race. And kingdom, he's talking about dominion. Amen. He's talking about dominion. In other words, we're seeing the kingdom of darkness rise up against the kingdom of our God like never before. Why is it important for us to understand that? Because we're on the front lines of this kingdom battle. Amen? All right, Father, thank you, Lord, for these beautiful men and women. Lord, for their willingness to to come this morning. And maybe it's not ideal climate in here today, a little warm in here this morning, Father. But I thank you that you're teaching us to endure sound doctrine, Lord. You're teaching us to to push on into the things that you've revealed and, and put in place for us in your word. Father, that, that we would know and understand the things that are going on in this world around us and that we wouldn't be deceived and we wouldn't be troubled, that we'd be prepared. We, we would be ready that none of these things would shock us or surprise us or deceive us, Lord. I thank you, Father, again for all the things that you've been speaking to us as a family of faith now. Um, Lord, we could talk about years, but I'm specifically talking about over the last 14, 15 months. Lord, again, to prepare us to build our faith Lord, to stand strong in the midst of historical challenges for people financially, for, um, Lord, just so much talk about people's mental health and physical health and, and social well-being, financial well-being, Lord, every, every aspect of our being. And so, Father, I thank you for the blood of Jesus as we partook of communion last Sunday, Father. We, we just once again acknowledge the blood of Jesus that covers us and our families, protecting us, your Holy Spirit leading us, your blessing providing for us. Father, may we take comfort in these things today. And may we be a light in the darkness and may we represent peace in the chaos. In Jesus' name, amen.